0: My description of the crime scenes or what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I appreciate you for tuning in and listening. So, but. Uh, Stay tuned for some announcements at the end of the show, but as always at the beginning, I want to say thank you to each and every one of y'all. I appreciate you so much for helping us grow you're sharing us and liking us. I'm getting people from all over every day that say, oh my God, such and such shared this with me and I've been binging the whole thing. Well, I get it and I love it and I appreciate you. We don't have the big production companies promoting us we have lifers and you're the best in the world patron members i love you love you love you you know i couldn't do the show without you if you're not a patron member you need to check it out for the monthly donation we give a lot for the different levels so y'all check that out but thank you and you peeping toms who got to take advantage on the vip for the crew bash congratulations we're gonna have a blast and i love y'all and i appreciate you thank you thank you thank you and I am going to get started. So I've been thinking about this episode for a while, and it's going to be different. And it's going to be a bunch of different stories, right? And But let me tell you what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it complaints. Complaints, okay? Now, when you're a cop, especially today, right? Everybody has a camera and social media, and, and everything you do as a cop is scrutinized. Et cetera. Even back in my day, you always, always were going to get complaints from time to time, and I want to tell y'all some of mine that were sticking into my head. And there's a reason, and I think you'll figure out in the next week or two, there's a reason I'm doing this episode, and we'll, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. But that being said. One of the first complaints I remember and you might get a chuckle out of this, that I was in uniform patrol at Southeastern Louisiana University, the police department, all right. And the year it was the month was May. And I had been let's see, it was May and I had a seven arrest for the year. In the month of May. That's five months in, right? And I was three ahead of the next po- person in the department. You know, when I was with Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office, there are nights that I arrested 10 or more people, okay? So think about it. I mean, seven months, but why? Because Southeastern didn't want you arresting anybody. I and mean, They they wanted more of a rent-a-cop, more of a uh, someone just to keep the peace, take the Basic complaints, go, you know, help people change their tires and shit like that. Well, it really wasn't me. They want you to write campus tickets. I didn't write tickets. I don't like writing tickets, right? But there wasn't a whole lot to do on campus at nighttime, and I worked the night shift, y'all, other than, you know, you could run radar on the streets that surrounded the the campus. And, of course, I did. And the DWIs, most of the time I pass them off to somebody else because it's three hours of paperwork for a misdemeanor uh, if I couldn't help him out, I passed them off to somebody else. But the tickets, mm, very seldom wrote one. You had to be a real asshole. Uh, um, but I'm going to tell you about this first complaint that I remember. This guy, I stopped him on the in, interior campus, one of the streets where it's like 15 miles an hour. It was at nighttime. And I said was, I wasn't even uh, really trying to stop anybody, but uh, I had the radar on one that was mounted to the dash. And this dude's coming like 43 miles an hour in a 15. Well, that. Yeah, you know, if you're on the outside where it's a four-lane or something like that, okay, you know, but I was going to stop this guy anyway and check him out. So I stop him, get him out. He gets out. He's a student athlete. He's got, you know, he's looking at me like I'm a runner cop. first of all. He, and he talked. He was a little bit of a smart-ass or whatever, but not too much. And and I didn't want to write tickets to listen, man. He said, oh, man, I'm coming from, you know, such and such. And, you know, first of all, I said, why you stop me? I said, I stopped you because you were hollering ass. And, and, you know, he didn't appear to be high or anything like that. and But he just had a little bit a little bit of attitudes towards me. I said, look, bro, I said, just slow it down. I'm not trying to write you a ticket now. We had a, the choice. We could write a campus ticket, which uh, they just had to pay to the school and it didn't go on the driving record. Or we had a state ticket book, right, which is like, Every regular cop writes you from, and you had to go to regular court, not not the university. But I didn't write him either. I didn't give him a warning. I, I wasn't about that. I, just, you know, I gave everybody a chance the first time. I let him go. Shit, it wasn't two nights later. Or my, I guess the next time I came on ship, we worked two on, two off, three on, two off. But the next time I came on shift, it's like 9 o'clock at night, and here comes this dude, and he drove a Mercedes. Dude, dude in his Mercedes rolling like 47 miles an hour in the 15, and I stop him, and he got out. He said, man, you harassing me. I said, no, motherfucker, I'm not harassing you. You speeding Forty-seven miles an hour and fifteen. I said, You going faster than you were last time. He said, Man, whatever. I don't give a shit. I said, Well, go good. I said, Give me your driver's license, your registration, proof of insurance. What do I gotta give it to you for? I said, because I'm I'm telling you to give it to me. So he gave it to me. I went, and I had to find my ticket book. It I made it stand at the hood of my car. I had to find my state ticket book. Now I wasn't gonna write him a campus ticket and let him, you know, go pay us twenty-five dollars or whatever. I'm writing him a state ticket because if I'm gonna take the time to write a ticket, it's, it's going to cost you something, right? And if he hadn't been an ass, you know, I probably would have gave him a campus stick. But anyway, so I write up the ticket, right? You know, whatever, 47 and a 15, I think, Louisiana Revised Statute, thirty-two sixty-three is speeding, or 32, um, 62. A 32, y'all, you hear me talking about rapes and murders and stuff. It's always a 14 code. That's for criminal acts. A 32 is traffic. So I wrote him up. And I go back and I say, look, I'm writing you up for 47 and a 15. Here's your court date. The, uh, sign right here on this line. It's not an admission of guilt. It's just saying that you're going to show up in court to take care of it. He said, man, fuck that. I'm not signing that. I said, like, well, are you sure? He said, I ain't signing it. I said, you understand. Your signing is not saying that you're guilty of speeding. It's saying that you're going to show up in court. And basically, this ticket is an arrest you signing this, you're releasing yourself on your own recognizance, saying that you're going to show up in court. He said, fuck you, I ain't signing and I said, well, fuck you, turn around and put your hands behind your back. He said, what are you talking about? And I grabbed him and, you know, did what I had to do and cuffed him up, and I put his ass in the back of the car, and we had to take our, the anybody we arrested to um, Hammond City Jail. Shit, I took him down there and I booked him uh, on the speeding ticket, which he refused to sign. No big deal. Totally within the law, right? I mean, that's the law. If you don't sign a ticket, if you sign a ticket by key, you go you go into jail. And so I go home the next morning, and uh, it was sometime in the middle of the day, that my home phone started ringing. We didn't have cell phones back then. This is how long ago it was, y'all. We didn't have pay. pay I think might have had a pager for my private business. But my home phone is ringing. I answered it, and it's Captain Harold Todd. Now, Captain Todd was re- Retired state trooper who ran the day to day of the department for the university of the police department. He said, "Woody, I need you in my office now." I'm like, "Dude, I'm sleeping. I got to work tonight." So I need you in my office now. I got a complaint on you. I'm like, "What?" So I get up and I get dressed. I drive to the university and I go in his office. He said, "Come in and shut the door." I, so I shut the door. He said, "Sit down." I sit down. And he got up and said, "What in the hell are you thinking? Arresting?" that student last night who wouldn't sign a ticket. I said, what would you want me to do? He said, you had no business arresting him whatsoever at all. I said, Captain Ty, that's the law. You refuse to sign a state ticket and, uh, you know, saying that you're going to show up for court, then you go to jail. And he said, that's bullshit. I said, Captain Ty, didn't you retire from the state police? You were a trooper. I said, this is the law. He said, that's not the law. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. I said, Captain Ty? You need to go look it up, cuz. And I didn't call him cuz. I said, sir, you need to go look it up because that is the law. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. He said, you're always arresting people. And um, I said, hey. I've, everybody I've ever arrested, I got a conviction on, you know, I said, it's not like I'm making it up. They, they got dope on them or, you know, they're fighting or whatever it was. Every arrest I've made has been a valid arrest. I said, uh, if it hadn't been, you know, you would have had me in here long before now. And I said, certainly, you know, I know y'all don't want me arresting anybody because what happens, y'all, is everybody that gets booked into the Hammond City Jail or back then, I think the, uh, the newspaper was called The Daily Star. The Daily Star would get their names, everybody who was been booked and published it in the paper, why they were arrested and what they were booked for. And so this happened. Well, the, the university didn't want that. They didn't want the names of peop- their students getting arrested. I mean, it was a different culture, I guess, back then. But shit, he was just adamant. Adamant, adamant. And my ass was in a crack, and my ass was grass, and he was a lawnmower, and he was gonna, you know, I was gonna get suspended and all that. I said, "But you do what you need to do." But I didn't break the law. He said, well, "You go home, and, and um, we're gonna have to have a meeting about you." And blah blah blah. I said, "All right, whatever." <laughs> so I went home, and yeah, I mean, I was a rookie cop. I was like a year and a half on the job, something like that. And uh, but I, I knew enough to know, right? I mean, I kind of studied law. So they called me back in the next day for the meeting, and guess what, Had in hand, it's, it's Captain Todd and the Chief and... Hey y'all, when I started doing my social media posts, I had zero experience on how to post anything. All you would give it is my text. Then I found Canva Pro, and now my designs are at the next level. Camera Pro has everything you need in one place, including a collection of over 75 million premium photos and videos and audios and graphics. My favorite Camera Pro feature is when I use it to do my backdrops for my posts on the, on the crew page. There's no idea too big or too small for Camera Pro. Y'all, you can put videos, make it like a show on your post. It's extremely helpful in, the possibilities of your creativity are endless. Design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you get a free 45-day extended trial when you use my promo code. Just go to canva.me R-L-R-C to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash R-L-R-C canva.me slash rlrc and we're sitting in the conference room and he said we don't want you arresting anybody for for not signing the state ticket and i said captain todd what are you supposed to do i mean if i pull you over and say you were speeding and you refuse to sign the state ticket i'm just going to let you go He said, no, but we don't want you doing that. he said, we we think that you have a real problem in talking to people. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we're going to send you to interpersonal communication school. I said, what? He said, and he said, yes, interpersonal communication school. You're going to go there and learn how to talk to people and be nicer. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, Captain Tye, I don't have a problem with my communication skills. I said, this guy I was never ugly to him. I didn't curse him. I didn't say anything wrong. I arrested him because he would not sign the ticket. And he said, Well, you're going to the school. And, and I said, and about the ticket, he said, Well, uh, obviously, it's going to, you know, it's, it, it's going to, we're going to have to talk to the district attorney about it getting dismissed or something. I said, So you're telling me I'm wrong? He said, Well, no, no, you're not wrong. I looked it up. I said, Well, I thought you would know that being that you're a retired trooper. And it's uh, long and short of it. I was just give this kid complain. And that's one of the complaints I got in my career. But what ended up happening, y'all, I already had my job app in with NOPD, New Orleans Police Department. was getting ready to go there, and this is a story for another day, how I ended up at Livingston Parish literally by accident. So kind of like I started the podcast. All right, fast forward. Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. I transfer over, and I'm in uniform patrol. I'm assigned to the east side of the parish. And I told you all about that. It's uh, Livingston Parish was geographically divided east and west uh, for law enforcement purposes, okay? And I was on the night shift, and I'd been there, I don't know, a couple months. Uh, and, yeah, it was totally different, right, than working in a university police department. I mean, shit, I could arrest as many people as I wanted to and go hunt bad guys all night once the call slowed down. I mean, it's just like I used to train when I was a field training officer there. i tell the rookies, you don't have to go out of your way to try to put your hands on somebody and fight them because there's enough legitimate bad guys out there that are going to fight you, right? You're going to get to do it enough. So I was busy you know, rock and rolling, doing my thing, making my arrests, making my good cases, y'all—not bullshit cases, good cases. Well, it's a Saturday afternoon. I go ten eight, um, and right as soon as I go ten eight, I said, um, "What was that?" Three six one. That was my unit number. Three six one two five nine. I'm ten eight for the evening. Good evening. They said three six one immediately. Three six one. We have a civil. Not we have a. Whatever I forget what the code was, they didn't say civil complaint, but that they, they we have a complaint for you to meet at Albany Town Hall. all right, cool. So I rode over there, I meet this guy. Now he's a clean cut, nice looking guy. And he'd get out, and I introduce myself. I said, "What's going on?" He said, "Listen, man." He said, "I have sole custody of my kids, my two small children." He said, "I divorce divorced my wife. I have the custody. She gets them every other weekend." And other than that, they live with me. They're not supposed to spend the night with anybody else or anything like that. She's not supposed to leave them, not with her parents, not with her aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, or whatever. And he said, I have it. I said, okay. And he said, I got my papers right here. Well, he gave me the paperwork. And I read it. Shit, it, 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 everything he said was true. He's, he's, you know, primary silvery and all this stuff. Fuck, I didn't know any better, y'all. I mean, I, it's the first time I'm looking at civil papers, but I'm reading it, and the judge orders all of us. Everything he said, he wasn't lying, and and that she was not to leave him any family members or whatever. And I said, okay, what's the deal? And he said, well, she, this was her weekend and she has gone out of town on spring break partying. I said, "Where are the kids at?" He said, "They're at her parents' house up on uh, North Albany on Highway 43." I said, "What you mean?" He said, "He said I'm telling you that they're there, and these papers show that I have the, the you know, she just cannot leave them there legally. It's signed by the judge. Don't you read it?" I said, "Yeah, I read it." You know I mean? And, and he said, "Well, I want my kids, and I want them now." And I said, "Well, fuck, let's go get them." So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know any better, but I'll, I'll explain to you in a second. So we drive up forty three, and I really—I mean, y'all, I'm acting in, in good faith, right? And and so I go get to the house. I call to, to dispatch. Told them I'll be out at such such address. And I get out and I go knock on the door. And this lady came to the door. She wasn't elderly or anything. I think the, this couple was young, or the girl he married was young. He must have been in his mid twenties, and she was younger than that. She's going on spring break. Anyway, so they opened the door. I said, "Hey, I'm Deputy Overton. And, um, you got such and such 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 a juvenile with in. And she said, "Yes, sir." And I said, "Well, you know, the, the father has court papers that." Oh, I said, "Where? Where is?" And I said, "The woman's name." She says, "She's not here." I said, "Where is she?" She says, "She went out of state uh, on spring break." I said, "Okay." I said, you, "You're aware that the papers say that she's not supposed to leave, leave the kids with anybody?" And she said, "Well, I mean, she just went for two nights." And I said, "I understand that." but the papers say she is not, the kids are not to be left with y'all or anybody else. I said, I'm not trying to get any business. I don't know why the papers say that. Maybe he had a better lawyer. I don't know. I said, but here's the deal. You're going to give the kids back to the daddy. And, and she was like, do we have to? And I said, yeah, according to those papers, you do. And the grandfather came out and I would, they, they were nice. And I was nice to them. And I explained to him, I said, look, I'm holding these papers. And it says, I mean, your wife's already told me that she's out of state. And the kids are going to be spending the night with y'all. And I think the the kids have spent the uh, the first night with them, y'all, Friday night also. And they admitted to that. And I'm like, well, you're clearly in violation of these papers that are signed by the judge. I mean, you know, and I guess in retrospect, I could have called a supervisor or something. Um, But, I mean, I was acting in good faith. And and grandfather said, well, she left with us. I said, well, I'm telling you, these papers are signed by the judge, and you got to give them to the daddy. That's what the papers say. And so they gave them to him, and the kids were healthy, and everything there was nothing wrong with them, whatever. And and the dad was real appreciative, right, per kid. And he, he leaves. I go on about my business. The whole night shift would go through. The next morning, I'm sleeping, and my pager goes off, and it's uh, it's Brian Paul, and he he was on the day shift then. And he called, he said, bruh, I said, what? He said, did you take some kids from a house on 43 last night? I said, yeah, I didn't take them. I said, but, you know, the, the dad had the paperwork. I said they couldn't spend the night with anybody else, and they they admitted they spent the night there, and the mom was out of town and all that. He said, bro, you're in so much fucking trouble. I said, why? And he said, that's a civil matter, man. He said, we can't get involved. I said, what the fuck was I supposed to do, man? I had the papers signed by the judge. And, and I said, unless he came up with a court stamp and, and the judge's signature and all the papers, he said, no, man. He said, anytime you get a civil thing like that where it's civil papers involved, All you can do is is like the dad he said, here's what's fucked up. And Brian said, Here's what's fucked up. That dude tried me at like like three o'clock in the afternoon. He called me out and I met him at the Albany Town Hall and and he told me, he said, I got these papers and I told him, I said, You gotta I'm gonna give you a file number and you get a copy of the report. You know, call in for this file number, we'll get you a copy of the report and you gotta take her back to court. And have the judge find her in violation of these papers, and the judge would do whatever he wants to her. then. But as far as the kids, I mean, you could have gone and checked on them and and they were healthy. He said, I wouldn't checked on the kids. They were good to go. And he he said, that dude played you, man. He said he said, Kearney is going to kick your ass. I was like, oh shit, tell about Mr. Kearney the chief of everything. You know he's supposed to be chief of detectives, but the chief deputy, I guess Wayne Sanders had died, and he was. Out of respect, Sheriff Grace never placed the title. Uh, but long story short, he was right. Monday morning, yeah, on the carpet for Mr. Kearney. And uh, my phone, I mean, I kept my phone on. I, knew I got off at six o'clock. Sure enough, at about 8 01, that uh, Kearney's calling and he said, I want you in my office now. So, yes, sir. And, and so I drove in and go in and he's sitting behind it he said like, get your ass in here and he said behind it, yeah this is my mentor y'all and everybody was so scared of him most especially the uniform guys were just even some of the detectives were just scared of him not because he was mean or unfair or anything just because he was by the book no bullshit no nonsense right but it wasn't my first time to be on the carpet in front of him and but most of the times that i'd been before I was I was in the right, and so anyway, I went in. And he said, "Tell me what happened." I told him. He said, "God damn it! What do you?" He said, "You don't know that you're not supposed to handle you know civil thing, da, da, da. I said, "Mr. Curry, I didn't know." I said, "I do. Show me the papers." I, I acted in what I thought was good faith. He said, "Don't you ever!" And he had that finger. <laughs> he get mad. He. Point that finger at me. Uh, he had a crooked finger, y'all, yeah, on his uh, on his index finger, Point that finger at me, he said, Don't you ever he, he chewed my ass, rightfully so. And the mom, oh my god, the mom was so pissed when the parents didn't call her and tell her. Uh, they told her when she got back late Sunday night. And and I I guess that's when she started and calling and complaining. She got or it must have been that morning, maybe she got in Monday morning, I don't know. But anyway, she, she was there. And uh, Mr. Kearney brought her in. I had to apologize to her, and uh, rightfully so. But, and, and I had to look like a little bitch. And, 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 but anyway, I don't never know what happened with it. But <laughs> it is what it is. There's a reason I'm telling you these stories. Remember, st- stay with me. So, But I, I you know, acted in good faith. I took my lick. I wasn't going to lie about it. You know, uh, wasn't the first time I'd been in trouble, Was I'm sure wouldn't be the last. But Kear- Mr. Kearney did tell me. Before that, left, he called me back in after he'd been all hard on me, and I had to apologize to the mom and all that. He called me back in, and he said, Now, Overton, you know that if you never do anything you you if you never screw up, it means you never do anything. He said, there's a lot of deputies out there that go out there, and they draw on a paycheck, and they'll go from call to call, and that's all they do. He said, you out there getting it every night, and I appreciate that. He said, you're going to screw stuff up from time to time, son. And, and he said, but I, I bet you'll never do it again. And he kind of cracked a smile, right, but without cracking a smile because Mr. Kearney was supposed to be so hard. And, and I said, yes, sir, you're right. I said, you may get me back on this carpet for a lot of stuff, and he did, y'all. I said, but it won't be. For ever getting involved in a civil matter again is crazy as that shit is. All right, fast forward. Um, oh, I will tell you another one, call me, Mr. Kearney called me in on. Some of these y'all have heard. I'm pretty sure whether it's on Patreon episodes or whatever. But the night that I towed the guy's bicycle, that ran, from, <laughs> the guy ran from me. I got out. Uh, Try to do a traffic stop on him and he hauled ass in the woods. I was on Highway 190, it was raining and shit. And I'm like, man, fuck that. I'm not running in the woods chasing his ass. So I called for a tow truck to come and get his bike and take it to a uh, bike jail, right? Well, I knew, you know, the tow was going to cost like $175. And, um, and my deal was I wasn't going to let this dope, or I'm sure the guy had dope on him and, it, and wasn't going to let him get over on me, right? He wasn't going to be sitting around Thanksgiving dinner laughing about how he got beat me on a foot pursuit or whatever. And I also didn't want to feel like chasing him through the woods for a crack pipe. I mean, shit, his mode of transportation was a bicycle. It's not like he's hauling kilos, okay? So I called for a tow truck. Let me tell you this. That tow truck driver showed up, and I knew most of them over the years. But this uh, this guy showed up. I know I didn't tell this another story. This guy showed up, and he gets out. And he's got the biggest forearms I've ever seen. I'm talking about, like, his forearms are bigger. One of them was bigger than my whole body. Like, Popeye, when he eats the spinach it, it pops out. And, you know, he looked like he could take, instead of throwing the old iron horseshoes, he could take 20 of them at a time and throw them, right? But I don't know why that just popped in my head. I think it was Brownstone. But anyway, that's it, neither here nor there. He came and then he got out in the big old forearms. And he he said, where's the vehicle? I said, this is it. And he looked down at the bike. He said, are you serious? And I'm like, it's a big dude. I'm like, yes, sir. And and he was like, okay, doesn't matter to me. (laughs) He he put it on the back of the truck and towed it off, right? No big deal. Well, Monday morning comes, phone rings. Kearney called me in. Why did you you towed a bicycle? I said, yes, sir, I did. He said, why? And I said, because... I, I don't want to be responsible for it. It's a road construction hazard. He's like, oh, "That's bullshit." <laughs> he said, "Why don't you put it in your car?" I'm like, "Come on, Mister Kearney. I don't put it in my car. And what am I do with it? Haul it to the jail or something?" Anyway, so and that's another time Kearney had me in. Real life, real crime. Hey y'all. I don't know about you. It seems like I'm always looking at a screen now more than ever. And one of my favorite ways to rest my eyes and still get the content I'm itching for is by putting in my Raycon wireless earbuds and listening to something great. Whether you're catching up on your favorite podcast, binging an audio book, or powering through your workout with a pumped-up playlist, a pair of Raycons in your ears can make all the difference. Look, y'all, love mine. They fit great. The sound quality is excellent. The volumes are right there to tip your fingers in your ears. and There's no sliding out and up to six hours of playtime on one charge. So Raycon's offering 15% off all their of products for my listeners. And here's what you got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com R-L-R-C. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com/RLRC. buyraycon.com slash R-L-R-C. Buyraycon.com. Com slash I'll give you another one. I know y'all heard this one. Kelly Bernard, Freak of Flyer, and I arrested her like three times in one week in three different stolen cars. And then I didn't see her for like six months. I hadn't seen her. And and it was the middle of the night, I mean like three o'clock in the morning. And Kim McMorris was acting shift supervisor. And he called me, he said, so what? He said, What in the hell did you do to to Kelly Benar? I said, What are you talking about? He said, Dude, the sheriff just called me and said that Kelly Benar called his house and woke him up in the middle of the night screaming and hollering about how you harassing her. Harassed. I said, Motherfucker, I haven't even seen her in six months. I I don't even know where she's at, you know? And, And so yeah those that's that's a an example of an unjustified complaint. The bicycle mm, that's probably pretty pretty legitimate. I mean, I, I could have handled that other ways. So the civil thing was my bad, right? So we'll get into a couple of them like another one with Kim McMorris was uh, when we were doing an that and another story, I forget the name of it. but when the last stop we did on this house where people were pulling up to buy a crack every night, the last stop we arrested all three people in the truck. And we had the truck towed. I don't think it was Brown, that big guy, the big Popeye guy again. But anyway, I had the truck towed. And I went home. It was like daylight. I went home and I just fell asleep. And the phone rings. And it's Kenny's He's like, Bro, you got to come in. we got to, you got to come meet me. I said, What's up, man? He said, Dude, uh, that last guy we arrested said there was $10,000 in this truck. Now, look, this was the most beat up piece of shit truck. I mean, you know. It it wasn't worth ten dollars, and 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 I'm telling you, and, and and Ken was like, we gotta go find that money, we gotta go find that money. I said, maybe I said, I said, Ken. Fuck that. I'm not going out again. And he's like, no, you, you got to go out. I said, no, I don't. I said, I didn't steal the fucking money. I said, I know you didn't take the money, did you? He said, well, hell no. And I said, well, then fuck him. Let him go file a complaint, right? And and I said, that dude hadn't had not had $10,000 in his entire life. And I said, I'm damn for sure we're not going out there. You know, when I just got to bed, and and I've been working overtime on dope anyway, right? And so that was an example of a bullshit complaint, right? The dude had been in the game. His rap sheet was longer than my you-know-what. And he'd been in the game forever, and he knew how to cause a little bit of hurt to the police, or try to, but we didn't let him. Unfound a complaint. So let me give you another one. Let's see, one that y'all haven't heard. Ooh. Well, there's, there's one. I don't know if this one's been released or not. We worked on a guy that ran over his wife. He tried to say we stole money from him. I think it was $500, $800. That was a bullshit deal. And I think, you know, some of these people, y'all, you deal with, they know how to press the system, right? They, they like, you know, the, the girl calling the sheriff in the middle of the night and I hadn't seen her in six months. I mean, what the fuck? You know, but, but they know these things have to be looked at and they're going to cause you some small amount of grief, you, you at least get a phone call about it. Um, let me think there, oh, there was another one, table, I can't remember it. All right, let's fast forward to state police. <laughs> my time at the state police, one, I distinctly remember because it's the only time I ever got in trouble, or officially got in trouble trouble my entire career. The uh, It was like 2010, maybe, and I was a criminal mm-hmm. investigator to out of headquarters in Baton Rouge, and the budget was really, really bad. Like, I, I'm, I think it was when the housing market crashed and all that shit happened. But I was in Austin, Texas at an advanced polygraph school in my unit. You know, oh, shit, I'm going to drive my own personal vehicle over there. That's part of the deal, right? And then we used to be able to use our units with state police at, before this time. We used to be able to use them, like, you know, you drive to work. To headquarters, if you need to stop at the grocery store, some on the way home, you could, you know, you could do that, or go to the gym or something. You could use your unit for that, but I mean, you couldn't haul people around it and shit, right? The, uh, that was that's kind of what the policy was. Well, because the budget came out, and like Louisiana, unfortunately, always is, the budget was incredibly fucked, and they came out on on all these cost saving measures, right? So one of the things that the colonel put out the letter that week. I got it by email. Colonel put out some new director that week. You can only drive your, and I had an unmarked unit. You can only drive your unit from your residence to work and work back to your residence. Okay. No big deal, right? <laughs> I got, you know, I got the policy. It's, nobody's violated yet. I'm coming back from Texas. I'm, I'm totally legit. I'm in my, in my car, work reasons. And but I wasn't on the clock, and the, uh, I get a I get a call. Now one of my conditions to go to the state police when uh, the recruiter, I mean Charlie Dupuy, I told him I said, listen, I have my own private polygraph business on, at the sheriff's office, and I can do it as long as it doesn't interfere with a sheriff's office case. And he said, no problem, we'll, we'll get that for you. You know, you can keep your private business as long as it's not the Louisiana State Police case. We don't care. You know, I'll make that part of the package. I said, cool, and and, and so. They did that. So so I had still have my s- private side business. Well, my polygraph phone rings, and, and I answer it, and there's a lady in West Baton Rouge Parish, which if you're coming back from Texas, you got to pass through it, right off uh, um, in Port Allen, and she wanted her husband tested, polygraph tested for infidelity. No problem, right? I mean, it, it, she wanted it done that day, and I'm on my way back through. I'm going to stop and do it. So I stop, I go in give the dude a test, and, and this lady was like a beautician, so I remember giving it. It was at a beauty parlor, but then there was nobody there and uh, except her and her husband, and I go in, and guess what? He failed, and he failed measurably. Now, look, I didn't have anything on that said state police. I didn't have the badge or the gun or anything like that. I was in regular clothes. Went in, gave him the test like I give everybody else, and he went, deception indicated all the way, right? I get done. He knows he failed if I could test. But I tell him, you failed the test. You failed the questions. You, you know, whatever it is, a relevant question about cheating or whatever. I don't remember the specifics, y'all. But anyway, I tell him you failed, and of course, nobody was happy when I left. And I leave, and I go home. Shit, about two days later, uh, <laughs> I get called in. In the head of internal affairs, hey, man, he said, did you go do a polygraph in, in Port Allen on, I think it was Saturday when I came back, uh, on Saturday? And, and I said, yeah, I sure did. And he, he said, uh, did you show your badge and your gun? I said, absolutely not. And I said, I didn't have anything on state police. He said, did you go in your unmarked unit? I said, I did. I mean, I would not going to lie to him. And, and I mean... I knew I knew I was in violation of the new policy, and uh, I mean, should you catch me, I'm going to take my lick, right? And, and But literally, it was right off the interstate, you know, did it. And otherwise, I'd have had to drive another hour and a half to the house, turn around, drive an hour and a half back, and then drive another hour and a half back home after the test. Fuck it. I stopped. I took it. And he was like, man, he said, you, you know, he said, you're the first one in the whole state to violate the colonel's new policy on using the units. I said, okay, well, you got me. I said, here, I'll write a statement. Boom, 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 I did this. I said, you can get, go over there and ask the wife. I said, I didn't wear anything. He said, state police or whatever. And so he came over in my office a while later. He said, hey, man, I he said, I talked to the wife. Uh, he said, she absolutely said that you didn't do anything. You never mentioned state police, he said "He, uh, her husband was like a volunteer fireman or something, and he ran your plate when he left, and it came back to nothing. And the, one of the friends said that that had to be a trooper uh, or a detective for some law enforcement agency, and they gave him my name. He said, oh, shit, well, Woody Overton works with state police, right? And so, the, anyways, this asshole calls in and makes up a lie, saying I had him a badge and my gun and, and all that. But the only thing he did have me on was the unit. And so, anyway, I wrote the statement, and it's the only time in 20 years I ever got suspended where I had to. They had to do something to me, right? I mean, I wrote to the colonel, wrote him a statement Yes, I did this. I know I was in violation. Give me whatever you want to give me, right? So they gave me two days off. I'd never been suspended in my entire career. And they came in, and the uh, head of internal affairs came in, and he said, Woody, I mean, we we're like, you know, we're friends, right? The, uh, he said, the Colonel's going to give you two days off, and um, it's going to come out of your record after six months or something like that, right? If you don't get any more trouble. I said, well, I'm not going to get any more trouble. I said, you know, that's not a problem. And we bullshit for a few minutes and he left. Well, the next day, uh, I think it, it was a weekend. Monday came. Shit, I, I went fishing. And in about Monday at noon, my pager goes off and in it was the head of internal affairs. I called him. I said, I said, what's up? He said, where are you? I said, I'm fishing. He said, what are you doing fishing? I said, I'm fucking suspended. He said, man, you're not suspended yet. He said, well, the colonel's got to pick your days for suspension. I said, well, shit, then I guess I'm sick. Uh, uh, Give me a sick day then. I mean, I didn't even know that. I mean, they told me I was going to get suspended for two days. I thought it was starting in. So anyway, valid complaint to the point that I violate the rules, but not, not valid to the... The lies about representing myself as a law enforcement officer. Two more, and I'm wrapping this up, and there's a reason for y'all, and you will understand one day, and I'll make sure you understand. Okay, so state police. 2013, I was sitting in my office, chilling, doing whatever, right, and one of the guys— when a house for internal affairs came over and I, we, you know, I was friends with all those guys, but I wasn't like hangout friends. Right. We didn't go hunting together and drink beer together and shit like that. But we were cool. We talked football and we'd talk hunt stuff like that. Anyway, you know, dude comes over. He's, you know, oftentimes, and when it slowed down, even time, then somebody would come over and want to hang out and shoot, shoot the breeze for a while. Cause my office was separate from internal affairs. It was over by itself. and, came over, and I thought, you know, we were going to kick it about football whatever, and we, we did for a minute. He said, hey, man, can, can you come over here? We, we, uh, we need to have a meeting. I said, cool, all right. I mean, and I always was in the meetings, y'all. Every Tuesday morning, State Police Internal Affairs, I sat in on the meetings or, you know, whatever. I sat in on the meetings. No big deal. I didn't think anything about it. So I'd go over, and I'm going down to the conference room. He said, no, no, we need you in here. Well, fuck, it's an interview room. I'm like, what? They said, yeah, come on in and, and sit down. Now, interview rooms, I know. They're recording everything, and the microphone's on, and shit, he pulls out, police officer billers, two of them, pulls out, and these are my, my people, right? But pulls out a police officer bill of rights form, which basically tells you, hey, you are under investigation. They, they read to you, you're under investigation for this, and we have so many days to investigate it and get back to you, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, basically there's some Miranda in there and all that. But he pulls it out. I've seen a thousand of them. I've never had one read to me, and they read it to me. And when it gets to the part you're on in investigation for and he it said that I sent. Okay, let me say that again. What it was to sum it up this way: All right, there was a, there was an agency that had a criminal investigation going on, and the defense attorney for the guy it was a theft case. The defense attorney for the guy had sent in a polygraph report that said that Woody Overton, criminal investigator, too, with Louisiana State Police, did this polygraph and says my guy is innocent, right? Now I'm like, ho, ho, ho. And they they showed me the letter. I'm like, ho, ho, ho. I said, you could just stop. I said, this is bullshit. I said, I've been doing private defense work for this lawyer this one lawyer for 13 years i said this is the first time ever that a letter's been sent out with anything uh to any law enforcement agency with the polygraph report stating that i had any affiliation with law enforcement i said i'm gonna sign you shit you can go and investigate it i said but it's gonna be it's gonna be there's gonna be a fuck up somewhere right so i, I sign it and, I mean, of course, I was, you know, upset about it. And I'm like, the, the attorney and I are friends. I, mean, I couldn't figure it out. I said, you know what? I, I told them. So they told me, I so said, don't contact them. I said, I'm not calling anybody. I said, I'm actually, I'm pissed off that this happened. I said, I want to know what happened, but I can promise you this is a mistake. Go do your job. Go, you know, talk to the attorney and find out what the fuck happened. So they bring me back in, like, uh, the next day. Look, unfounded what happened was he had a new girl in his office when i went to test this guy on my off time i went to test this guy and she wrote up the report that said uh woody overton uh dear whomever the, the head of investigations were. Real life, real crime. hey y'all it's that time of year again tax season and i'm gonna tell you who i use personally to do all real life real crime and my personal taxes I use Proven Method 1. They are the go-to tax service company to get your personal and small business tax service needs. Proven Method 1 employs authorized electronic return originators and has been providing tax service to many communities for over 10 years. They're fully IRS compliant. They provide services not only to college students, working individuals, and self-employed individuals. They even help the folks who should have received an economic impact stimulus, but for whatever reason didn't. They can help with filing a simple tax return to get your money that you may so desperately need. They provide unparalleled personalized accounting service to a broad range of clients across the United States and Louisiana. Proven Method 1 has easy advanced options for those who need money now and cannot wait for refund di- disbursement. Contact Proven Method 1 Tax Services for a free estimate for your filing your tax return year twenty twenty return or prior year returns. Mention real life real crime, the podcast, and get fifteen percent off your electronically filed tax year twenty twenty return. They're on Instagram at proven one underscore method one. They're on Facebook at proven method one. Twitter at PM Method1. And the web address is provenmethod one dot net. Y'all let me tell you Miss Belay runs this company. She's awesome. She's a friend of ours, honest, hardworking, and they know what they're doing. So give them a call. Let them help you out. She can answer any of your tax questions from the child tax credit from the stimulus package to where is your check to anything else. But more importantly, when it comes to trusting my information and my business information, proven method one, that's who I use. There's sergeant, whatever your name is. Um Woody Overton, a criminal investigator to and polygraphist for Louisiana State Police, tested my client, and he showed no deception indicated a police find attached to polygraph report. And that's the letter they 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 sent him, right? Well, guess what? It's bullshit. she She took that upon herself to put that in there. The attorney has been signing my shit for so long and sending it all. He just signed it. He didn't read it. He told him, he said this is a fuck up. He said this is a new girl. She knows Woody is with the state police, but she did not know to not put this in there. He called the, the head of investigations immediately when the guys went off and said, Hey, this is not supposed to happen. It's never happened before, never happened again, blah, blah, blah. So unfounded, I get it. But now, this time, y'all, I'm really pissed off. I got my 20 years in. And being called in like that, even though I I hadn't done anything wrong, uh, uh, it certainly wasn't my fault. And it really upset me. And and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I I don't need this. And and so they called me back in, said, look, it's unfounded. You've been clear, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, guess what? I already knew I didn't do anything. I promise you this you will never have to do this shit again. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I'm telling you this, you ever call me back in here behind a polygraph bullshit complain again, then i will I will turn in my letter of resignation. I will no longer, you know make myself susceptible to this kind of bullshit. you know? I said, and be honest with y'all, at that point in time, I was making so much money in my side business, it was really hindering me by state police time, right? I, it was actually costing me money to go to work with state police because I was having to turn down tests and stuff. So I remember I had to ask about it. But anyway, you never believe what happens. All right, I got all these years, never other than the one time for <laughs> use my car to get run the polygraph, The I'd never really been in any any serious trouble, right? So I had gone. I'd got a phone call from a lady in North Carolina, and she was a dental hygienist. And she called and said, look, my brother got locked up in Rapids Parish, by the Rapids parish Sheriff's Office, owing uh, like carnal knowledge or something of juveniles, and supposedly he was sleeping with these sixteen year old girls two of them I think one maybe one was seventeen I don't know it was like that that age range in She wanted to hire me to to go do a polygraph for him. I said, okay, and, and, you know, she asked about my experience, and I told her all the law enforcement experience, but that wasn't the seller right, but, you know, the polygraph experience. And I said, but this has nothing to do with me talking you through over to polygraph. She said, well, I'm paying for it. I want you to go up there and test him. I said, listen, it's not that easy. I said, you need to get his defense attorney to submit a letter to the sheriff and the warden of the jail getting me permission as a private polygraph examiner, nothing to do with law enforcement, private polygraph examiner to go in and test your brother. I said, then I'll do it. Well, it took some time, maybe uh, a week, right? And she calls back. She faxed me a couple of letters. She said, I got it. Oh, the even got a judge to approve it. That's what it was. I said, you need to get a judge to approve it, et cetera. Because listen to me. All right, had some history with Rapids Parish Sheriff's Austin, and I can't tell you what it is. Yeah, but I will one day. So but that's why I made her jump through all the extra hoops, the judge and everything. So everything's legit. Roll up there on my day off, test this guy. I walk in, plain clothes, don't use a badge, or I, I use my driver's license again in. I show the letter from the, the judge. They buzz me in, go back, you know, get the inmate out, test the guy, and he passed on one but not on one, Doesn't matter. I test the guy. And, and I leave, right? No big deal. Call his sister, told her, told her results. No big deal. Here I am. Hadn't even been two weeks since the fuck up on the attorney letter, defense attorney letter. They came over and I said, "Hey, we need you to come over. We need to talk to you." I'm like, "What?" And uh, and they said, "Yeah." And so go in and this. I knew I hadn't done anything wrong, y'all. And that was it. I, and I prayed about it you know, the other one and stuff, because I got so angry, and even though I hadn't done anything wrong, right? But it was like God was showing me it's time for me to leave and to go into private practice. Anyway, so they called me, they sit me down in the same room. They advised me, my police officer, Bill of Rights, and said that uh, the allegation was that I went to the Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office Jail and I badged my way in, I wore my gun in, and did this polygraph and 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 identified myself as Louisiana State Police and blah 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 and and they said okay do you want to if you want to answer questions sign right here I said I am not answering shit and they were like what and kind of took them aback I said I'm not answering shit I'm not signing shit I'm not signing your police officer Bill of Rights I'm not I'm not signing Miranda I'm not answering questions so I said well, what are you gonna do I said I'm not gonna do anything they said you gonna go do your job I said well but hold on one minute. I need five minutes. The only time I said, I'll be right back, five minutes. I went to my office, which was outside of the um, IA area. I went to my office. I sat down on my computer. I typed up my letter of resignation and said, thank you for your time with Louisiana State Police. I appreciate it. I, I am moving on and, and going into private practice. And I walked back in. Said, this is your official two-week notice. I walked back in. There, the two investigators were still sitting there. I gave them a letter. I said, here's my response. And they were like, you, you, you can't do that. And I was like, yeah, I just did. And I'm done. And they were like, What do you do? come on, dude. I mean, how long have you been doing this? I said, hey, I'm not answering shit. I said, go do your job. I told you last time when you had me in here, it was a bullshit complaint. And and basically, even though I know, you know you're treating me professionally, I felt like a fucking criminal. I said, this now this is the same thing again, and I haven't done Anything, but you know what? I'm not. You go find it out for yourself. I'm not answering your questions. I'm not answering anything. Go do your job. You go to Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office and investigate this fucking complaint that I came in there with my badge, my gun on, and badge my way in to the fucking jail to do. I mean, I was going off to the fucking jail to do a polygraph. I said and that's my two week notice and i walked out and then uh and, and hey i came to work i didn't even call in sick for the next two weeks and shit, it went they had the 10 days whatever it was that the the day that i turned in all my equipment and everything uh they they came and got me and bring me back over and they were like no, we don't need to go in, in the interrogation room i'm like why not and so we just want to tell you what, what we found out and so we went in the conference room and he said listen colonel doesn't want you to leave. When we're asking you to take your letter of resignation back, please. I said, absolutely not. I said, I'm done, dude. I said, it's nothing personal against y'all. I said, but at this point in time, you know, I said, I prayed about it. And and the last time it happened and it was bullshit, I said, I know. And you damn well know anything to do with Woody Overton and Rapids Parish is bullshit. I said, but... You know, I said, well, he said, let me tell you what we found out. I said, go ahead. He said, we went to Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office Jail. We pulled their cameras. Not only were you not in your unit, your unmarked unit, you were in your personal vehicle. You were in civilian clothes. You never uh, had a badge or a gun on. You never identified yourself with state police in any way. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, yeah, I already fucking know this. And he said, you went in, you you know, we listened, you know, you you never identified yourself as state police, even to the bad guy, and you left. And he said the problem was one of their detectives, the Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office detective, was listening to the phone calls between the sister in North Carolina, the dental hygienist, and him, the inmate, and she told him she was telling him my credentials on the initial phone call. That's it. Never h- hounded on it again. She said, "Hey, this guy's been in law enforcement forever. And in fact, he's with the state police now. He does this as a side business, right? And he's going to make me jump through all the hoops. I got to get a letter signed by a judge, get him permission to go give you the test, and the whole nine yards." Well, the detective was listening in. They figured they're going to stick it to old Woody Overton, right? Now you tell me how fucking sorry that is, okay? Law enforcement. Right, and they knew, they knew it was going to be an unfounded complaint or, or dismissed, whatever they call it. I mean, it's like the bullshit complaint that you can't get any more made up than this. You lied, you filled out this shit, you filled out this complaint against Woody Overton. It was a fucking lie. You knew it was a lie. He showed the paperwork from the judge. He never wore all these things. All these things you said you did, you did it. And you know what the D told him? He said, "Well, it is what it is." Right. They wanted to stick it to Woody Overton. Well, rapids burning and everything else, y'all, and I'm going to leave it at that. So I know there's a hodgepodge of stories. Oh, so let me tell you, what, I, I walked out and I retired from the state police, and so I've been blessed, blessed, blessed ever since, and, You know, not only in the polygraphs, but then I picked up the— I got certified as an expert witness in all United States federal courts, uh, as an expert witness in law enforcement matters and I travel the country doing defense consulting, stuff like that. So I've been blessed. N- I have no regrets. I hate it that it ended like that. But I'm gonna tell you something. The complaints sometimes are founded. And shit, if they're founded, I and especially on me, I took my lick, right? And and if if I pushed the envelope and got caught, I took my lip lick for it. But the unfounded ones, they happen every day, y'all. And and then there's some some of that are unfounded because it's a pissed off husband. Uh, and he failed his polygraph test. He wanted to cause me a little grief, and he knew a, bit, a little bit about the system, stuff like that. And then there are some that are just malicious, like this asshole detective that called in and said, I had went in there, and I badged my way in. I had my gun. How, how the fuck are you going to carry a gun uh, or your pistol into the parish jail? Hello? So there, there are com- you know complaints on both ends of the spectrum, and... I'm gonna leave it at this. This is not gonna be a series, but I'm expecting some things. Hopefully, here in the immediate future, and if those things come to fruition, I'm gonna get back on the air and I'm gonna tell you why I told you these stories about complaints today. But that's a little bit what cops go through, especially good cops, because you're out there busting ass and, and and you're putting yourself in situations that other cops, a lot of cops, won't put themselves in. Like Kearney, Mr. Kearney said that um, the ones that are just out there drawing a paycheck catching a bare amount of calls and they they want to do their 20 or 30 years like that. Right. Not Woody Overton. So, but I've been doubly blessed and, you know, all this rolls over into real life, real crime, the podcast and which has been such a huge blessing. I love and appreciate each and every one of y'all like, Tommy Wilcox, great life for Tommy Wilcox Outdoors. had my son and I for the the dove hunt in uh, Alabama, you know, once-in-a-lifetime experience. But not only that, I get to meet people from all over the world, like Captain Calvin Duvall, y'all, who has Duvall's Cajun Charters down in Delacroix, Louisiana. Check this out. He calls... And his wife and they are a huge fan of the show. And he is career law enforcement, was career law enforcement. I think he did like 20 years with Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office and then 10 years with Homeland Security. He calls, he's got a charter company out of Delacro. Well, you know, Delacro, Louisiana is just southeast of New Orleans, but it's, it's at the end of the road. I mean, it's you're in the swamp, you're in the mar- not swamp. Uh, You're in the marsh, and it's in what the fishing there is what they call inshore coastal fishing, and he invited us down, and so I took my youngest boy, and well, I took my boys, and and one that's ten, the other one's nineteen. We went down. We spent the night ahead of time uh, at the lodge across the street from where we launched. Captain had us out there at daylight, and it was blowing. Now look, I had. I had saltwater fishing camps for years until Rita blew the last one away and I hadn't been back since, right? But I loved it, it was my passion and and I wanted my boys to get to experience it. And because of Real Life Real Crime and Captain Duvall and Duvall's Cajun Charters, I was gonna get this opportunity. So we go down and uh, we go to get in the boat at, at right at daybreak and he's got this big, nice, you know, super fine charter boat. And the captain is just real cool from the get-go. Uh, and we get in the boat, and look, the wind is blowing like 40 miles an hour. Me, as an old saltwater fisherman, I knew. And look, there was rain clouds all the way around, so the sun's trying to peek up through. And I'm like, holy shit, this is going to be a bad day. Plus, it's the end of March, right? There's no shrimp. There's no, there's no live bait to be had, first of all. And, and then even but— even so, there's no shrimp in the, in the marsh that time of the year. The live bait, I mean, it's like the worst time of the year to go fishing. And we go with Captain Calvin in the first spot he pulled up, we wore their ass out. And uh, we caught 40 specks, speckled trout up north, y'all would call them, uh, spotted sea bass. I'm not talking about babies. Out of the 40, we only had to measure two. In, in Louisiana, they have to be 12 inches or above, right? But Captain Ball, my son, had never really fished. The 10-year-old, he, he's like his brother. And he has all custom-made rods, all super top-of-the-line equipment. We get there, he's baiting the hook. He didn't have to do this. He's a lifer. He's, he's just good people, right? And we tore them up. We ended up catching 40 specs, one... Uh, all good size, like three and four pounders. And then um, uh, my son got to catch his first redfish, which was awesome. I got it on video, which is a really nice red. We caught two freshwater catfish, uh, uh, two blues. We caught freshwater bass, like a three-pounder, and some other stuff I forget. But we, we tore them up on the windiest, nastiest, no-bait day of the year because Captain Duvall Duvall's Cajun Charters knows what the hell he's doing. He's out there every day busting ass, and we call them all an artificial, and he knows what he's doing, y'all. If you ever go to New Orleans and you want to experience a true South Louisiana badass fishing trip, call Calvin Duvall or Captain Duvall at 504-957-4549. And it's down in Delacroix, y'all. It, it's Calvin, he's just as cool as me. And we, we traded cop stories all day on the boat. And I'm, I'm going to get off that. Calvin, you know, I love you, man. It was awesome. Yeah, my son, before we, the, when we, as soon as we put the poles up to turn around and come back to the dock, my son's like, always he starts saying is, when can we come back, Danny? When can we come back? The, Calvin was that great with him. Captain Deval, Deval's Cajun Charles was that great with him. We filled up an ice chest full of stuff. And we didn't, even though we didn't limit out, the fish were so big. We're on the way back, and I was explaining to my son that it's 25 trout per person, five reds per person, and we didn't catch that much. We would call it a lot for it, especially for the conditions. And my son says, "Lord, we're gonna need a bigger ice chest because that ice chest was slap full, y'all." And and uh, but Calvin, Captain of career law enforcement, like a brother to me now. And you better believe we coming back, Captain, every chance we get. So thank you so much. But lifers, that's just. The other side of New Orleans, I mean, it's like 35, 40 minutes uh, southeast of New Orleans. Get a chance. Give them a call. You won't regret it. I, if you, if you go and and you book it, tell them Real Life Real Crime sent you, and I will come down. If I'm free, I will come down and go fishing with y'all. So And he can get as many boats as he needs. But he's been doing the chartering for almost seven years now, full time. So he knows where they're at. Okay, crew bash. I think, y'all, by the time you hear this, I'm pretty... Positive. The tickets are already sold out, and and that's okay. It says Texas Club on June the nineteenth. Um, doors will open at seven. Our VIP peeping toms. You, you know who you are. We appreciate y'all using your your benefits, and y- your tickets sold out in like you know what a day. And so we're having a VIP event on Friday night. We even uh, got the special at the Capital City Hilton in downtown uh, Baton Rouge, y'all. That's where I'm gonna be staying all weekend. If you want a room, call them up. It be for the 18th and the 19th or the combination thereof. Call them up and tell them you're booking it with. If if you call them in person, tell them you're booking it with real life, real crime, and you get the discount, I think it's like 50 bucks off. If you book it online, you at the end when you go to, to sign out, punch in the code RLRC, and it'll give you our discount, our room rate discount. But anyway, the door's open at 7. I'm going to take the stage probably about 8, something like that. Uh, I mean, it's adults only, the world famous Texas Club, and I can promise you, it's going to be the podcast that's so adult you couldn't dream of. I've been holding on to this, okay? Second annual Crew Bash, and then once I get done, I'm gonna go to the the sides area, uh, um, and sign autographs and take pictures with everybody that wants to, uh, as long as you want to, just like I did last year. But meanwhile, the Chase Tyler Band is going to take the stage. And, y'all, it's a concert. It's more, it's not just a show. It's a concert. They rock the house. And it's going to be a, a great time. And they'll be playing for a couple of hours and including his new song, Garth Kind of Night. And Chase was just inducted into Louisiana Country Music Hall of Fame at the Texas Club the, uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving before COVID happened. So, y'all, it, the governor has... Bars now open again in the state of Louisiana, but seating only. So we were only able to sell X amount of tickets while at seating only. When we expect the restrictions are going to be relaxed in May, if not done away with, and certainly will be by June, and we will put the rest of the tickets on sale, and we'll have the whole full house. And if it doesn't happen, then it, the, the, yeah, congratulations to y'all that got the tickets because you'll get a more intimate event. But the Texas Club is set up, Totally different than the basin last year. Y'all were, were, you know, half of you couldn't hear and shit like this. This place is for concerts. They've had the best. Go look it up. They've had the best country music people over the years. Uh, uh, a lot of them started out their their careers there before they got real big names. So, anyway, I will be doing a commercial. We'll do, do a drop with, with Chase Tyler once the restrictions get uh released and I don't think there'll be any tickets left for y'all to buy. But if they are, it's um it's R L R C K R E W E B A S H dot eventbrite dot com. That's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T dot com. I don't think there'll be any left, but put it in your hat for later on. So I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much. Courtney Coco. Ooh we Justice for Courtney Coco, 2021, y'all. I'm telling you, just keep your family in the prayers, and we're going to keep fighting for justice for Courtney, and stay tuned on that one. And then Miss Barbara Blunt, absolutely. The disappearance date is coming up again. The things are relaxing. Things are moving. Please continue to call on your tips. It's very, very, very important. That's all I can say about that. And... If you are from, let me check this out. Let me look it up real quick. We were number one. Real Life for Real Crime, the podcast, was the number one podcast according to Apple Podcast Rankings in Malta, M A L T A, wherever the hell you're at, Malta. We appreciate it yesterday. So if you're in Malta and you want to be an organ donor, then go to LOPA, L O P A dot org. And there's a form there, and you can fill it out. Of course, Louisiana, y'all, you, you can fill it out or anywhere across the world. Fill out that form, become an organ donor, be a hero, save a life. April is Organ Donor Awareness Month. We are going to do something special on that, uh, I think, starting next week. So it just means a lot, y'all. A lot of people are hurting, a lot of people are dying, but a lot of people are living because there are heroes out there. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. Get ready. you Peace. to do that.